You're listening to the Victory Church Podcast. Here at Victory, we are called to equip a caring, committed community of worshipers to reach their world for Jesus. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Hey, everybody. I just want to let you know I'm excited about my new string trimmer. I've had uh, this other string trimmer for many years. It finally wore out. And I didn't realize until getting this one how much I needed the right tools. Whenever you're doing something, it's important to have the right tools. A lot of people will tell you that. We have a yard here that's a couple of acres. It has a little small tributary of the Skipack Creek running through it. And there's a lot of weed whacking to do. And my old weed whacker, my old string trimmer just was not doing the job. So I'm amazed. What we want to talk about really spiritually is life hacks. And I know that suggests that we're looking for tricks and shortcuts to life, but we're not really looking for tricks and shortcuts. We're looking at the right tools for your life and the right tools are important. And the Bible tells us that there's one tool that is primary and it is the ultimate life hack. And that tool is wisdom. Proverbs tells us that a house is built on wisdom and that it's established by understanding and that through knowledge that its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And if we have the right tools for life, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, all of which are a part of one package that we can summarize as wisdom, then we can have the kind of life that God intends for us to have. And it's a house that is solid and it's a house that's filled with good things. Let's uh, go inside and let's talk a little bit more about this ultimate life hack, the wisdom God has for you. Well, welcome to my home. Glad to have you here with us. Let's continue the conversation by reviewing what we have read in Proverbs 24 verses three and four. By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. God wants your house to be firm. He wants it to be filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And remember, when we're talking about your house, we're talking about your life. Everything that pertains to God's plan for you, your family, your work, everything that your life touches. Now, the Bible tells us also in Proverbs, earlier in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And the King James Version continues, and with all thy getting, get understanding. So make sure that as you're getting things in life, you are also getting understanding. I really like the way the NIV translates the second part of that verse because it says, though it cost all you have, get understanding, get wisdom in other words. So if the Bible tells us that we should get wisdom, though it cost everything that we have, get wisdom, why are we not more intentional about seeking it, about acquiring it, about 
asking the Lord for it. I, I think it's because wisdom sometimes gets a bad rap in our spiritual circles, in the kind of church that we are. It's really true. So much of the Western evangelical church is all wrapped up in head knowledge. You know, it's knowledge about God, knowledge about the doctrines that are the right way of, of following God, the right way of thinking about God. And those things are very, very important, except when we pursue those things, head knowledge, to the neglect of spiritual power, to the neglect of spiritual revelation, to the neglect of signs and wonders, and, and to the neglect of really knowing God, soul to soul, heart to heart. So it's no wonder that we're a little bit reluctant to go after wisdom. And the truth is, if you pursue wisdom without a spiritual foundation, that'll lead to pride. And you know what comes after pride, and that is a fall. And we're talking about building a home that will stand, not a home or a life that will fall. So if we're just pursuing head knowledge, that kind of wisdom, to the neglect of a spiritual foundation, that's not the answer. And Paul also warns that there are other kinds of wisdom. There is a worldly wisdom that thinks that God's wisdom is foolish, and that kind of worldly wisdom is of no avail either. It's not going to help us. It's going to mess us up. But then we who lean toward the spiritual side, because of those things, because we know that's true, that head knowledge is not enough, that, that just earthly wisdom is insufficient, we can get to the point where we dismiss wisdom altogether. We're all about the spiritual. We're all about revelation. We're all about the power of God. And let me just warn you that if you pursue spirituality without wisdom, your life is going to be a mess. Things are going to fall apart. Your life, your home, your rooms will not be filled with rare and beautiful treasures. You, you might have some spirituality, but your house is going to be empty. And that's not God's plan for your life. God wants you to have wisdom. And today, that's what we want to talk about more than anything else. The desirability of building your house, your home, your life with wisdom. With wisdom, a house is built. And we saw in Proverbs 4, 7, the King James Version, which says that wisdom is the principal thing. It's the first thing. It's first in order of importance in your life. And it's also first in creation. And that's amazing. Think about it. If God himself created all that we see, on a foundation of wisdom, how much more important is it for us to have that same kind of foundation? We want to build the way God builds, and God builds with wisdom. So we see in Proverbs 8, 22, the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. What do we mean when uh, we read the Lord brought me forth first? This is wisdom personified. Wisdom speaking as though it were a living creation, as though it is a person. It's not a person, but the writer of Proverbs is speaking as though wisdom is a person and saying, read it again, the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. The very first is wisdom. Before anything else that we see, God brought forth wisdom. And so earlier in the chapter, again, Proverbs 8, this time verses 10 and 11, 
we're instructed, choose my instruction. That is wisdom. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Wisdom more than anything else. Now, did you ever fantasize about what you would wish for if you could have one wish, if you found uh, an Aladdin lamp and could have three wishes? What would you wish for? When I was uh, in about fifth grade, a teacher went around the room asking each of us if you could have any wish whatsoever, what would you ask for? And of course, we had all kinds of fifth grade responses. One boy would wish for a new bike. Another one would want to find, you know, buried treasure. Another person wanted to fly. If I could ask for anything, I'd want to fly. And then little Miss Goody Two-Shoes. Yes, I went to school with Miss Goody Two-Shoes. She said, oh, I would wish for world peace. That ruined it for everybody. Nobody could ask for anything selfish after that, right? So what would you ask for if you could just ask for anything? Now, the Bible tells us in 1 Kings, we're not going to read the whole passage, but 1 Kings chapter 3, that God appeared to King Solomon in a dream. And God said, what do you want? Whatever you ask for. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Can you imagine that kind of opportunity to ask God for whatever we want him to give us? Solomon had that. So what did Solomon ask for? Riches? Long life? The death of his enemies? And as a king, there were certainly plenty of those, so it would have been understandable. No, Solomon asked for an understanding heart, a discerning heart. He asked for wisdom to lead God's people justly. And God re replied, I'm going to give you a wise and discerning heart. And he said, because you did not ask for the death of your enemies or riches or for a long life, I'm going to throw in all that as well. Can you imagine that if you go after wisdom, then all these other things get added as well. And I believe that. If you ask for wisdom, you're not going to miss out. You're going to have what you need. So I want to encourage you, ask for wisdom. The Bible tells us to do that. And we'll be looking at that later on in this, this series. Because you don't have to settle. You don't have to settle with just whatever comes your way. You can have the kind of wisdom that will build your house, that will establish it, and that will fill its rooms, the rooms of your house, the rooms of your life with rare and beautiful things. Don't settle. Get God's wisdom. Lisa and I, we kind of like to go out to eat occasionally. Haven't done a whole lot of that since the coronavirus lockdown, but we really do enjoy it. And we prefer not to go to chain restaurants. We prefer to go to places that might be a little bit on the foodie side of things. We're not foodies, but we do like to try new and different things and, and, and nice things. Things that uh, you can't just get anywhere, farm-to-table restaurants, things like that. And, and I, I remember for a while there, and maybe it's not very wise for me to share this story, but for a while there, we would go to this place, and, and let's say it's Lancaster County, and they have the absolute best pork and sauerkraut that anybody could ever want for. I'm just kind of teasing. But we could go to a place, a restaurant that was really known for its specialty. 
and Lisa would look over the menu and then she would choose a salad. A salad, like Lisa, why are you getting a salad? I like salad. But after a few disappointing salads, Lisa's not doing that anymore. She's making a whole lot better choices. And I, I, I know, I know that salad's good for you and I'm not trying to talk about, you know, what is healthy or nutritional. I'm just saying, don't settle. Don't just settle for something that's bland and mediocre when there is so much more that God has for you. Ask for what is good. Ask for the wisdom that will bring the rare and beautiful treasures to your home. Ask for wisdom. Wisdom is the key. It, it, it's the key to anything that God wants to build in your life or that he wants you to be a part of building. Think about this. Think about it in terms of Jesus. Think about his life. What happened in Jesus' life from the time that he was three years old until he was 12? Matthew just tells us that to escape the threat of Herod, who wanted to kill any, any possible contender for his throne, that Jesus, his parents, went to Egypt, and they were there for a while, and we don't know exactly when, but Herod died and they came back. All right, that's all we know. That's all Matthew says. Luke gives us even less than that, but Luke sums up all those years from birth until 12 years old in this one verse, Luke chapter 2, verse 40, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. And the child grew and became strong. That speaks to Jesus' physical growth. But he was also filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. In the same chapter then, uh, Luke tells us how at the age of 12, Jesus was left behind in Jerusalem. His parents had taken him there for a religious festival, and then at the end of it, they were all going back to the hometown of Nazareth, and they looked around and realized Jesus was not with them. They go back and find Jesus in the temple where he's speaking with the scholars. And what does Luke then tell us about the impact of Jesus' time there with those scholars? It says in Luke 2.47, everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. What's that about? the wisdom of Jesus. And then what happens with Jesus between ages 12 and 30, when he was baptized and when he began his public ministry? Luke 2.52 says that between ages 12 and 30, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Think about that. All those years, the little that we know about Jesus, what we do know is that he grew in wisdom. That's something that's in common with both of those statements about what was happening to Jesus in those intervening years. And when we do see an incident, one incident in that whole time between age three, and I say that because that's probably the time when the Magi came and offered their gifts to Jesus, ages two or three, and age 30, what we know is that he was wise. He was wise. Jesus grew in wisdom. And just think, if Jesus needed to grow in wisdom, how much more do you and I need to grow in wisdom? And notice the importance of that for Luke, because we don't have any stories about 
what Jesus did as a kid in terms of doing any miracles. We don't have any stories about Jesus taking clay and turning it into birds. We don't have any stories about how Jesus became aware that he was the son of God. We don't have any stories about how Jesus really grew in his identity as the Messiah. We have none of that. All we have is that Jesus grew in wisdom, wisdom, stature, and he had the grace of God upon him. Oh, we need that too. We need that desperately. And then you move into what the Bible tells us about the early church. One of the turning points in the early church is given to us in the book of Acts. There was a little bit of discord in the church, a little bit of disharmony. It seems like the uh, Greek-speaking widows were being left out of the distribution of food and that the Hebrew-speaking widows were being favored. And so there was a little bit of turmoil in the church. And through the apostles, God gave direction for how the church was to respond. God wanted to maintain the unity of the church so important as we pursue the mission of God. It's still important for us to, today to be in unity. God also wanted to expand miracles, which up to that point had primarily been done just by the apostles themselves. And God wanted to expand the mission of the church. So he called for the appointing of the first deacons those who would take care of the problems, those who would deal with the cause of the conflict, those who would become servant leaders in the church. And at this point, now later on, Paul gives us some more qualifications for deacons, but at this point in the book of Acts, speaking by the Holy Spirit, the apostles come up with only two requirements for those who would serve as deacons. And we find those in Acts chapter 6, Verse 3, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among yourselves who are known to be full of the Spirit. We're not surprised to read that in the book of Acts, are we? But not just full of the Spirit, full of the Spirit and wisdom. A few verses later, we have the account of one of those first servant leaders, one of those first deacons who would go on to lay down his life as a witness for the gospel, and that's Stephen. And Stephen is not just waiting on tables. He's not just distributing food to the widows. But after receiving that anointing, after receiving that assignment, being a man full of the spirit and of wisdom, Stephen became known for powerful signs and wonders and miracles. See, there's no contradiction between being a person of the spirit and a person of wisdom. So Peter had, or rather Stephen had, tremendous wisdom and tremendous power of the Spirit. And as a result, he stirred up opposition. But Luke does not say that his opponents could not respond to his signs and wonders and miracles. doesn't say that. I believe that signs and wonders and miracles are a powerful witness and that they do confirm the Word of God. I'm not downplaying the role of signs and wonders and miracles and the power of the Holy Spirit, but I'm playing up an aspect of life in the Spirit that I think we too frequently set aside, and that is wisdom. So Luke tells us in Acts 6 verse 10, concerning the opponents of Stephen but they could not stand up against the, the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. 
they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave to Stephen as he spoke. And I believe that's true of the enemy today, the, the devil and his angels, the powers of darkness that are working against you. They cannot withstand the wisdom that God wants to pour out in your life. We need wisdom. God wants you to have wisdom. <laughs> there is a wisdom of the world that can't embrace the wisdom of God. We have to know that. And we have to be discerning enough to understand that I'm not talking about just knowledge the way the world looks at knowledge. And I think that's a real problem in our society today. There are a lot of people that think that because we have so much knowledge, we know things that previous generations just could not have known. We know things about nature. We know the way things work. We understand this world scientifically like a, even a generation ago, ago we couldn't have imagined. And it's all too easy to think that because we have such knowledge, because we know how to work technology, that we don't need the wisdom of the ages. That, my friends, would be a foolish assumption. We need the wisdom of God. We need the wisdom that has been the foundation for Jesus' life, for the people of Israel, for the kingship of Solomon, and for the early church. We need that same wisdom to build our lives on today. We need the wisdom of God. We need the wisdom of God as a church. And let's just know, we're dealing with circumstances that nobody in our generation has ever dealt with before. I'm not saying that no other generation has dealt with similar circumstances. I'm just saying we're facing challenges and difficulties that are of a level that nobody living today has seen. And we need the wisdom of God. We need it more than ever. You need the wisdom of God in your life, in your workplace, in your job. You need the wisdom of God in your marriage, if you're married. You need the wisdom of God to be the right person, the right man or woman. If you want to get married, you need the wisdom of God to raise your children. You need the wisdom of God for a foundation for your home and to fill your home with rare and beautiful things. That's God's will for your life. God bless you. I want to encourage you, seek wisdom. Seek wisdom together. Get into a life group. Get involved with other believers. Ask for the wisdom of God. Get your prayer life in order. Go back and look at our pray series. Press into God. Resist the status quo. Ask for what you need and yield to the grace of God. I want to encourage you to get the discipline of God working in your life and that you ask for and expect the wisdom of God that will provide that foundation and that will fill your life with good things. Of course, the greatest aspect of wisdom is the knowledge of God, and we know God through Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you right now, if you've never received Him, to pray, to ask Jesus to enter your life. Just join me in this prayer. Say these words as best you can in following me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me and that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I believe that he died, that he was raised from the dead, and he is Lord. 
So be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your wisdom and help me to live for you. Thank you for receiving me as your child. God bless you. If you prayed that, welcome to the family of God. Stay with us for just a few more minutes and somebody's going to come and share with you some very important next steps. God bless you as you seek and pursue wisdom. Join us for the next few weeks and we're going to explore this even further and God is going to do something amazing in all of our lives together. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Podcast. If this message inspired you, feel free to share it with your friends, family, and social media. And make sure to subscribe to hear future messages from Victory Church. If you'd like to support the mission of Victory, please visit getvictory.net slash give. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day.